as we continue in worship this morning. Uh, we come to our, our time, and uh, you know, in our house, we're 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 fans of the old Scooby Doo. I won't say we're fans of the new one, but we're fans of the uh, old one. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things, uh, Daniel, I don't know what's going on, but I can't control my own slides, so just kind of watch for me. All right, I apologize to you, but, and trust me, I'm aware of the time, so if you look at your watch, just, you know, you know, uh, stay with me. You know, you can turn it off if you want. Uh, you know, but I believe the Lord still has something for us. I mean, it's been good already. We could go home, but, but I think there's still something else. So we're a fan of the, uh, you know, uh, this old Scooby-Doo. And, and as I thought of, uh, Alicia and I were talking, some of my greatest sermon ideas come from her. Uh, I probably should put her uh, credit most of, not most, but uh, some of my stuff uh, there, you know. Uh, and and um, there's a tagline in every Scooby-Doo episode. All right? Does anybody know what that tagline is? It's not rough row or anything like that. What is that tagline? Anybody know? It's always at the end. And it's always at the end of every episode. If it I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. And she reminded me, because she, she's accused me, and rightfully so, the past two weeks of, that I've been meddling with y'all. All right? I've been stepping on some toes. And, and I just wanted to say, you know, we probably need to see these letters in Revelation 2 through 3 very similar to Scooby-Doo. They will meddle with us. We would get away with lots of things if it wasn't for these words. But sometimes we need some meddling. But the issue is we don't meddle just to meddle. We don't stir the pot just to stir the pot. We stir the pot in order to have ears and hearts to, to want Jesus. This is why uh, John, as he's writing, these aren't his words. These are the words uh, of he who holds the churches in his hand, Jesus Christ himself. He is the, the Lord of every church, and he says, write these things, and when Jesus wants to meddle in our life, we need to have ears and hearts to want more of Jesus. Does that mean it's easy? No. Sometimes we need to have steel-toed boots put on before we walk into this place. Because Jesus wants his church and his people to be like him. And we have a ways to go. Not because we're bad, awful, no good people. But because we're humans. And we need to continually be surrendering to who Jesus is. And so we read this morning to the angel to, of the church, the messenger of the church in Pergamon, right? These are the words of him who had the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not 
denounce or renounce your faith in me, not even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balaam to entice the Israelites to sin, so they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who teach, hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, let them hear. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden man, and I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives things. Pergamon, to some extent, is the northernmost uh, uh, church in the seven, okay, going into Asia, and, and there's lots of debate on uh, what does what does uh, Jesus mean about. Uh, you live where Satan has his throne. You know, they were, what we know of Pergamum is there were lots of temples in Pergamum. And one such temple uh, was the Temple of Zeus that is going to be re reconstructed that kind of looks something like this, a big old throne seat there. And it would be up on the hills so everybody would see that as it comes and you would see this throne. And in Zeus, part of the throne, there would have been a serpent imagery there of things. It was also, there was a temple uh, of others. Uh, but the most, probably, uh, the most prominent temple that was most concerning to the Christians of the day was the temple to Roman Caesar. And it was there that they would have to say, uh, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Savior. And this early church that they're coming out, they're struggling with, what does that mean? Can I even say that? Jesus is Lord. But to say Jesus is Lord is also to say Caesar is not Lord. And we, we don't have to deal with that much yet, but other parts of our world do. And so, uh, you know, and there, if you weren't willing, and, and Pergamum, unlike maybe some other cities, Pergamum, it, you know, this idea, if you were not willing to kind of start to look like the world around you, there was a Roman ruler who would have a sword who would say, be gone with you. Adios. And right at the outset to this church, we read that the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword, and so we are reminded that Jesus alone is the final judge. That's the imagery here. He's talking to a, a church that understands that Rome is a judge, and whoever is that ruler there, he would have a double-edged sword very much nearby, and he said, you no longer live, you no longer live. If he says you live, you live for another day. And Jesus, right at the outside, is this church that has external pressures to succumb. He says, look, friends, look, saints of Pergamum, these are the words of the one who has a sharp, double-edged sword. These 
are the words of the true final judge. Oh, Rome thinks they have a great throne. And you can look out your window and see a great throne, but that's not the throne that matters. Look, Rome thinks that they get final say. No, I get final say. Period. Do we believe that Jesus deserves final say in our lives? Does he get final authority? Or does somebody else get to have final authority on, on what we do, how we live? Because that's what he's talking about. But here's the thing. I think external pressure of the world, the church was faithful. The church knew what to stand firm. The church was doing what they were supposed to do. And, 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 they, and he just brings out this one person that, that, you know, I don't know that we know much about other than he was maybe the very first martyr of Asia. Okay? There was other martyrs at the time prior, prior to this, but in the continent of Asia, Antipas here was the very first one. We don't know what happened. We just know Jesus does know. And, and I think of many of the work of our, uh, of our Christ followers, our brothers and sisters in places of the Middle East, and uh, uh, we'll see some videos next, uh, next month with our missionaries, the Ostrogoths, and their training of people in Malaysia. And they don't train just for Malaysia. Those people are going back. And, and the church may never know the martyrs of today, but when Jesus is the final judge and has the final say, he always knows those who are martyrs. They may never be in what is called the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know how many of our brothers and sisters, even this day, have been faithful and their rulers have been begun. It happens. More than we would like to admit. It happens. If the Lord is doing a great work, and the Lord is reminding us, I know, I know, I know, and I know. So be faithful. This church had pressures from the outside, but the issue also was they had pressure from the inside. The issue from the church wasn't those on the outside pressuring in. They were doing well there. But they had these two groups that we really don't know a whole lot about. And it's going to come up again. You know, we're going to read next week and interact quickly next week with the, the idea of Jezebel and, and, and so forth. And, you know, someone may go, well, look, who is that? What is that? How can you pinpoint it? We don't know. At least I'm not ready to think the dates that anybody, a majority of scholars over the years agree on what it is. But it's a pressure from the inside. Pressure from the inside to follow what we call false teaching. They may say, yes, Jesus is Lord, but I think part of what they were trying to say is not just that Jesus was Lord, but that, that yes, Jesus is Lord, but it doesn't matter how you live. You can be like the world around you. You don't have to look any 
different. In a place like Pergamum, that is very tempting because they're very widely dependent on logical steps. And friends, we are in a crisis moment of our uh, world where we have a pastoral crisis group. There's not enough people going into pastoral work. I know I've said it before, but I probably should have Shannon put it on our list, but if I had Shannon put everything on the list that I think we ought to pray for, well, it would be a big old throw. Okay? But we need to be praying for new pastors to be raised up. Because my concern is if we're not careful, we will get people who will come in and they'll, they'll know enough of Scripture. And I, and I realize I'm not as trained as many others. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, I'm great. Okay? But, but we will have leaders fill the void and, and we may be running the risk uh, of having leaders that have maybe good hearts and maybe they don't have good hearts. But they're going to tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. They're not going to meddle when they ought to meddle. And they're just going to soothe when they ought to meddle when this guy has to Because I think part of what was going on is they were encouraged to assimilate to the culture around them. They were encouraged to, to it doesn't matter if that food was sacrificed to idols. It doesn't matter how you live. Go ahead and just, just be happy. Follow your hearts. Sound familiar? And there were two issues the early church said you've got to stand firm on that Paul said over and over again. When you know fully that what was put before you was sacrifice to an idol, you know fully. And part because you're at a banquet for this temple and God. You need to respectfully say no. Because Jesus is Lord. And you can't act like everybody else and find pleasure wherever you want to find pleasure. Part of the teaching was basically saying, I think God's grace allows you to sin. Why? Because they're going, look, 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 look. Here's where this, uh, this is what I'm picking up, okay? And, and I may not be 100% accurate. They will say things like, look, if you sin, God forgives, right? We all want God's forgiveness, right? We want to show the world that God forgives. Right now, we're, we're on pretty good track. So, here's what we need to show the world. Go sin so you can preach forgiveness. Now, if we're not careful, we'll go in that way. Here's what Paul said to this. So what do we do, Paul says? Do we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. Or absolutely not. Just because God's grace will increase does not give us a reason to keep doing the way we are. Why? Because if we left the country where the sin is king and sovereign, then how can we still stay there? 
take up our cross daily, deny ourselves daily. You know, we need to repent of that. We need to be praying for leaders and, and churches that understand that the gospel isn't just a primary belief system of, I get to go to heaven because Jesus is Lord. It is that, but it's also saying, I'm going to live out that Jesus is Lord today. And so how I live does make a difference and does matter. By their fruit, we will know. I don't judge people. I try not to. Though I'm not as good as I might be to. But I sure do check every piece of fruit I eat. Okay? And if there's a worm coming out that I don't care how good it is, I don't want it. We need to be fruit inspectors with love. With love. We can't just forget that. We need leaders in our churches that will model, as Paul did, what it looks like to follow Jesus. When Paul says, follow me as I'm following Jesus. And people are following you, where are they going? And people are following me, and God be able to follow me, I would hope. I hope I'm helping you get closer to Jesus. And if I'm not, I've got to stop and repent. Because the whole purpose of what we do is Jesus. Because he is the one with a double-edged sword. He will come and fight the battles with the word, the sword that comes out of his mouth. Because when he is the final judge, when he says, it is done, it is done. Can we say with confidence like Paul did, imitate me as I run to Jesus? Is that easy? Absolutely not. Will any leader of this church or any church be perfect? Absolutely not. We're going to call the perfection, but we're called to keep driving on. Keep driving on. Going forward. But see, the beauty of these letters is if we have ears to hear, we, we can get caught up in those other things, but we need to hear that the Lord knows and he's willing to reward those who stay faithful. We don't do this just for the heck of it. All right, something's coming. And the reward is we get a new name. Uh, I will give them a white stone with a new name written on it. No, I'm only the one who receives it. This is pretty cool. Here's a lot that goes into this that we still debate in some circles. My top three thoughts, okay? I'll tell you, I'll at least narrow this to three for you. Better than the ten I started with. Okay? And, and all ten that I started with, to be honest with you, were viable in some ways. You know? Um, and, 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 and this is the beauty of Scripture, this is the headache of Scripture. We weren't in the Church of Pergamon. We don't know exactly how they would have picked this up and go, that's exactly what he meant. Okay? But, but some of my ideas here is that in those days, that if you, if you were part of a trade group, you, to enter that trade group, you needed a stone with your name on it to get entrance into the banquets. And there's an idea here that what Jesus is saying is, hey, when I give you a stone with a name on it, you're coming into the banquet.
kingdom of eternity, the, mess the messianic banquets, the wedding supper of the Lamb. I want to be there, don't you? And when Jesus gives you that ticket, no one's taking that ticket away. It doesn't even have a name on it. You know, the boys and I, my brother gave us a great treat last night. I won't go too far off this uh, rabbit trail. But he gave us a treat. We were at the Reds. Horrific loss last night. Uh, we saw them in person. So whatever you saw on TV, it was way worse in person. <laughs> All right? We got a ticket, though. I mean, he actually had physical tickets. And we had to scan it. That was our ticket in. But you know what? Someone could have taken that ticket out of my hand, and they wouldn't have known any difference. But in this thing, when Jesus says, Mark, I give you a, a stone with a name that only you and I know, that's the ticket into the banquet. It doesn't matter if someone takes it. Jesus goes, wait a minute. That's not you. That's not you. Who'd you take? I know. Who you took that from? Where are they? <laughs> I mean, when Jesus is the final judge and has final say, he knows these things. He knows these things. And so part of it is like that ticket in. A second possibility is in the days of Pergamum, if you were at a jury trial, they would vote, they wouldn't go and they wouldn't raise their hand and say guilty or unguilty. They would have stones. A white stone meaning you are acquitted of all charges, you are innocent, you are free, go on and live life. A black stone to say, adios, friend, enemy. Ah. There's a power there. Because on that acquittal stone, if it is that, your name is written on, and no one can take that away, and you can prove forever and ever and ever, I have been saved, I am free, the prison that was in me is no longer there. And then the third, and I really like this one, though, um, yet it's, it's probably the, not always very likely, because the words here is, the person who receives the stone will, will, will know uh, of that name, but there are some that, that believe that what is going on here is also the fact that Jesus, the pure and spotless man, he gives you a white stone with a, with a name uh, that is in part his name. And a reminder to this church that when you receive a white stone in the name of Jesus on that stone, you are in Christ. And so what is true of Christ is true of you. And it's a reminder of you may live in the city of Satan right now. But there is coming a time where you will live in my kingdom, and here's proof there's a name of mine that is also true of you. I really kind of like that one, but I must admit it's probably not as likely as the first two. Because it reminds me that it isn't about myself. It's about Jesus. And it's a reminder that God will provide and sustain everything we need. Because he will also give us some of the hidden manna. What does that mean, Pastor? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> you may get tired of me saying, I don't know with Revelation, but we don't know. I think part of it was so, Jesus would say, you don't need to know, because I am the one who has the body's head. I know, and that's all matters. I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm the living one. I'm going to give you things you don't even know about. There's a thought that the hidden manna 
here is also the Messianic banquet, the wedding, what I would say, partially the wedding supper of the Lamb. But I believe it is also this understanding that when we allow Jesus to have the final say, whatever we need, he will provide. And he will do it in a way that people just sit back and go, whoa, how'd that happen? How did that happen? And we'll go, I don't know. Well, you know what? We will know. Because what will happen is that Jesus will move in the heart of his people to say, I'm going to meet that need. And we're going to wait, wait, I'm not trained like that. We heard that story this morning. That's not me. You know? That's not me. But I'm going to meet that. I'm going to let you know Jesus loves you and so do I. I'm going to let you know there is a Jesus who is Lord. That he can provide for this need in many, many more ways than we believe that ever had. Are we willing to have our eyes and hearts open? Are we willing to be like Samuel, a little boy who didn't know what he didn't know? But he was willing to pray one of the most honest and also most scary prayers I think we could ever or pray. When he was, the Lord was trying to get him. And Eli, as much as she had some things wrong, he gave him a prayer to pray. The most honest and scariest prayer we could pray. Here it is. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Let me meddle one last time today. I'll be back next week. Hope you will too. Don't pray this if you're not willing to hear. Is that some condemnation on you? I probably came across a little harder than I thought, but, but see, Jesus knows. Jesus doesn't like people praying prayers they don't really care. He doesn't. If you're not willing to really let your feet be moved, your heart be moved, your hands be moved, your wallet be moved, your, your mind be moved, then, then please, by the grace of God, don't want to make that prayer. Because he will go, oh, you ready? Alright. You said speak, I listen. Alright. Here we go. And Jesus doesn't take that and go, oh, sorry, just kidding. Can we do a do-over? Because he's got to say, here, here, here. If you're honest and you want that, let me tell you. Be prepared. Because the Lord will say, I'm about to do something. In St. Louis, in Ohio, in American Roma, it will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I'm going to show up and show off.
who is the final judge, he knows. And I will sustain. I will provide. And I will let you into my kingdom banquets forever and ever. Amen. Let us sing a couple of the verses of our hymn this morning. In 564, you know, we won't we won't sing all of them. You know, so uh, let's just sing the first and the last uh, this morning. The first and the last of, of those. But adjust a closer walk. You know, uh, where where if we do that, uh, 